thank you for checking out this special episode of Really Dicey. This is Manny, and I'm here with... I'm Andy Peregrine. I'm the line manager for Dune and the freelance writer, generally, as well. Today, we're going to talk about Dune, Adventures in the Imperium, specifically about architect play. How would you describe architect play? Well, it's and I'm, and I'm glad we've come, come to this one because it is something we do see a lot of comments about, um, ironically, because it's a lot simpler than people expect it to be. Um, and I think that's why some of the detail in the rule book is a little limited because it's not because it's not there it's because we sort of went, well it, it's no more complicated than than anything else but we didn't kind of spell that out to people and so as usually when you see a rule system and, and a book, book as thick as dune it's quite reasonable to look at it and go well what's the system for this um and uh, <laughs> the answer you're not usually expecting is uh, you already know it there was some confusion with some of our viewers about the terms direct missions or agent play and architect play or behind the scenes missions? So what it really comes down to is it's a case of how you use the system rather than a mode you have to pick to work it. Now, because if you refer to our conflict rules, what we've done is you're having a drive and a skill. And as you go into a conflict with those things, uh, you are also using assets. Now, depending on what assets you use, really is what defines whether you're playing in architect or agent mode. Now, if you want to, if I say you're going to pull out a gun to go take, you know, a stand fight as a, as a conflict, which is an obvious example. If you're going to pull out a gun, obviously to use that gun, you're going to have to be in range of a target. So by the very nature of using a gun, you're in agent play. Now you're rolling the same thing, you're using drive plus skill because that's how the system works, but the asset puts you on the ground because that's what, how the asset can best be applied to that situation. Uh, and so then you roll as normal, you know, you roll to if you succeed in your conflict attempt using your weapon, then you will, you know, if you beat the bad guy with it, then, you know, that's what we've done. You shot the guy or you've used weapons fire uh, to put down the guy and, uh, and move on with stuff. Uh, if you decide instead that you have a small group of soldiers, for instance, now you could go in with the soldiers. Uh, if you wanted to go, go a bit crazy, you could say, well, actually, I'm going to lead my soldiers in. You're using architect play. But you can also go, well, tell you what, I'm going to actually sit in the control bunker and I'm going to direct my soldiers. So now that asset, uh, which you can go, right, well, the soldiers are the ones on the ground. They can affect the conflict that I want them to, my character's away, and now you're using architect play. But what you're doing is still rolling drive plus skill because behind those soldiers, you are the architect giving them orders and telling them what to do. So essentially you're rolling all the same dice aspects and all the same roles uh, that you would do. It's just which how you're applying the asset and which you're using. So what, what is nice about this is that it also means that you can have a mixture. If you have some players go, oh, well, I've got a, um, I've got a mauler pistol, so I'm going to go in with my gun, or I've got a sword, I'm going to go in with that. Somebody else says, I'm going to use my soldiers. All the players can, can run architect and agent play at the same time, um, as if they were standing together or not standing together. Is It doesn't actually matter. So the crux and the core of it is which asset are you using for which variant you're using. The only real need to define whether or not it's architect or agent is when you work um, uh, complexities and the fallout from the failed role. So for instance, if you are the agent and it all goes horribly wrong, your, your complications you roll may well be actual wounds that you take because you've actually gone in and dealt with it. 
If you're an architect, you're further away from the action, so you're not going to get the same you know same complications aren't going to come up. You can't get wounded if you're not there. However, on the flip side of things, if you're agents and you fail the conflict or you lose in some way, and let's say we're dealing again with a um, with a, a standard fight conflict, it's the easiest example with these things. Uh, say you fail and your quarry runs away, your agents can give chase. If you are an ar architect, uh, having failed might have neutralized your asset in some way of the soldier group. So you may go, well, I'm stuck. I can't, now I've failed with my soldiers. Um, I'm not close enough to affect and, uh, and adapt what's gone on. So I'm going to have to, I, I'm going to have to let the guy go because I'm going to have to try and track him down some other way. So there is advantages and disadvantages from the very nature of whether you're in or out. But the core of things is really which art, which assets do you use or what do the players choose to do? And then the dice rolls are all exactly the same. You know, it, it's it's difficult. The difficulty is um, is dependent on the problem of the conflict, not whether or not you go in as an architect or not. So it's actually what I like about this one is it's actually a lot simpler than it sounds. When you hear, you know, architect play, you go, well, what's that? How do I do it? Um, but the simple answer is you just do it the same as everything else. As a game master running Doom for the first time, are there tools to help game masters, would you say, to know the differences of when to switch between architect play and agent play? Well, to a certain degree, the, um, the decision to do that is very much with your, with your players rather than the GM. Now, I think the GM, obviously, like all things in the game, the GM needs to be aware that they might switch things around. So if you, for instance, put in a, um, you know, the baddie is in this safe house and they've got to deal with him somewhere, uh, the GM needs to be prepared that they might not all go in, you know, if the GM's planning something, or they're going to get captured if they fail. Well, they might not get captured if they fail because they might all be sending in their own goons from afar. Um, so. I think that's the main thing GMs need to be aware of, that this is a possibility players may throw at them. But of course, there are all kinds of things you can do with that there. As we've come back to, there are advantages and disadvantages in architect and agent play. And so, you know, as, as for any GM, you can screw with your players whatever they pick. <laughs> because, you know, if they've gone in, you know, head first, um, that makes them vulnerable to stuff. If they've not gone in and they've been a bit too careful, sometimes possibly too careful, there are other things you can do to neutralize their assets and get away from them. Um, so you can always still have your players going, oh, we shouldn't have done that way. But of course, then they can come at it a different way. If architect play doesn't work for them, if, you know, sending in the soldiers wasn't the right thing to do, uh, they can then go, well, let's try and you know, we'll track this guy down again. Let's go in uh, with our own blades and pistols this time. Um, and this works with pretty much it, it's some things lend themselves to architect play better than others. So obviously pure combat conflict um, is one depends what asset you're, a lot of players are going to be tooled up with weapons. They'll probably want to go in as agents. They can send in soldiers, depends what assets they've picked. Things like intrigue play or espionage are more likely to have assassins or blackmail. You might be on another, I mean, this is what I love, you might be on another planet and send blackmail information to somebody on somewhere else as, as a way of architect play. Or you might hand it to them at a party because you want to look them in the eye um, and, and, and see that they know you have them. Um, so very much it's it's something that it's for the players to decide what to do and it's for the players to pick how they're going to answer the challenge that the gm has put them up against 
um, which is uh, admittedly a bit of a headache for the GM sometimes. Uh, you don't quite know what the players do. But then to a certain degree, if in any game you think you know what the players are going to do, you might be underestimating them a little bit too much anyway. Can you have characters switch between different play styles, between architect play and agent play? Yeah, it, very, it, it depends. Again, it comes down to the assets they're using. Now, once because we have a very small, uh, we don't have a lot of rolling and initiative systems in combat. So a lot of the conflict system is designed for you to resolve a whole combat, a whole conflict, be it an espionage or an intrigue or a, or a fight in a relatively small amount of dice rolls. You know, you establish, particularly if it's goons, right, we rolled, we beat them. That means the result is we flattened them or we've got our advantage or what we want out of the fight. So that becomes very quick. So there isn't the same need if, if someone swaps between things. There really isn't quite time. You've chosen how you've gone in. It's either worked or it hasn't. And then you deal with the fallout from that. And that goes for whichever version of conflict you're using in Dune. Uh, but of course, if a conflict doesn't nail something down or it doesn't completely flatten the opposition the way you wanted it to, as you know, sometimes you can get these results where, ah, you know, we had a load, we won, but we had a load of complications and, or, you know, we didn't win, but they got, we knocked them down a little bit. We destroyed some of their assets, but we didn't get them because we, we didn't get right to the heart of where we wanted to. Um, those things then lead you to go into, right, well, next conflict when we take this to the next stage when we challenge this person again in some way um, then it's again you can just switch whichever one you want but it really comes down to um, architect and agent are kind of a helpful or meant to be a helpful guide to just remind people where the player characters are standing it's almost like using a battle map without a battle map so that if you're, but you don't really need to say, oh, my character is now in architect mode. My character is now in agent mode. It's simply a thing to remind players, oh, well, you went in with a pistol, so you're resolving this thing with a with a gun. So you've got to, you know, so when the bomb goes off in the safe house, you're going to be in there, aren't you? Yeah, fair enough. I went in with a pistol. I can't really blame you. For the same guy, the guy using, were you sending your soldiers? I think you can scribe that asset off your character sheet but um but you're you're okay and we call it architect and agent to give you a, a good label to specify those things but at its at its core it really is about helping the gm decide what as what asset what manner have the players gone in uh you know what, what angle have they chosen to face things and to give the gm a helping hand to determine the fallout uh, should they succeed or fail some of this comes from uh, the uh, one of the few times I actually ran the uh, the Dune Chronicles of the Imperium. Um, so I'm I'm one of the few people who actually ran the old Last Unicorn game. I'm very pleased with that, and it and it is a great game. Um, but I had one of my players, uh, a great player called Greg. Uh, he was playing Mentat, and every time we did the game, he would go right. Uh, the others would go in and do stuff and he would say right my mentat's going into the security zone and i'm watching them on the cameras um and i said to him how and he did it do this every session and i said to him how are you um are you okay with this because you're always not in the room with the other players you're not am i not give as a gm am i not giving your character the right tale to get you involved in the scenario are you okay with with this you know what can i do to make sure that your character has the right um has involvement in the scenario and it turned out greg was you know was just loved dune so much he was just cool with i'm i'm being a mentor in the security zone checking things out that's that's me done you know i'm i'm good with this this is cool 
So it was one of the things when we came to adventures in the Imperium. I've always had that in mind. Um, so I was very glad when Nathan created this, you know, this architect level of play. I always came back to thinking of how Greg played Dune and thought, yeah, there's a lot of players like that who want to be in the security zone. And now he can be using like drones or security cameras as an asset to watch what's going on uh, and also manipulate and get involved in the action. Uh, to a certain degree, we're coming back to, uh, if you think again to like Shadowrun, it's trying to balance that usual thing of some characters being in the net and some characters not being in the net and that having simply different ways that things, different aspects of how those characters are using. Uh, but to a certain degree, that depend what what happens with that and the rule system that is involved with that depends on what the players have chosen to go. So I, I think that's probably one of the better um, metaphors for this is to, is to say, you know, if you imagine architect play is like hacking um, and agent play is like going in uh, if you're in Shadowrun and things like that, that may help divide it up a little bit easier for people. I've heard rumors that there's going to be a beginner box set for Doom. Uh, what can you tell us about that? Ah, yes, the, the secret and, and mysterious uh, heirs of Dune. Yes, that I, that I shouldn't have shouldn't have put in the, on the first page because everyone said, "What's heirs of Dune?" Um, so yes, that is. I can't say too much about it. We haven't announced, but it is in process. It was originally going to come out um, at uh, an earlier time than we had for, for this one, uh, but it's got uh, it's got some really cool components in. So that's nudged it back a little bit. Um, this is, as you might expect, it's going to be our um, starter box set. Uh, we are going to do something a little bit different with it. Um, there's going to be a lot of uh, really interesting bits and pieces in it. So it won't just be, it's been very much a thing that we don't want you to just play it and, you know, I'm done now, I'll throw it away. There's going to be some useful bits and pieces in there that I hope people will come back to uh, and a great adventure to get you started. And something quite cunningly, I'm probably allowed to say it's something that's going to also allow you to play straight out of the box. Um, and uh, I can't be any any more um, detailed than that at the moment because uh, uh, the people at Modifius might string me up for, if I say too much. But yes, yeah, so, so I wanted uh, when we created the the core rule book, I wanted it to be um, perhaps ill-advisedly. I want I was thinking the long term of when we have more of our initial products on the shelf, and if someone wants to pick up this big book and they have a look in it and say what other things are available for this game for me to start with. And of course we have Wormsign, which is the uh, quick start guide. And we have the beginner's box set, which is coming out, hopefully well, I'll say, I hate to say soon because then people go well, soon when, you know, does that mean next year, year before, next month? I can't say at the moment, but it, it will be, it's, it is our, our one of our next things on the list, but we actually have another supplement on the way before you see that one. Um, which I also can't talk about yet. I'm really sorry. I'm really, it's, it's like vague booking in the worst possible way because um, I would love to go on about these. I'm very excited about what we've what we've got coming out. Shay's couple of um, we have not been idle by any means uh, when these things have come out. We have, like I say, we have obviously the box set. Um, so that's why it's in the, the core book. I wanted to name these things for the future so that when people pick it up, they know where all their beginner things are going to be. Um, but yeah, so it's going to be a you know, really good box set for that. And that is sort of your starter set. But we're calling it a beginner's campaign set because we're going to carry on. There's going to be you know, some, some more to that adventure uh, than what you normally expect, but something you can play within your own group. You can put other things in between. Um, and we have another we have another book 
in layout at the moment and another book that's being written um so and a couple of accessories on the way that are looking really cool uh so we should be announcing those too um and uh, we've already started on the studies for the next next book coming out after that as well so we have plans up to about 2023 i think now um so we, we had to lay out a lot of things for the estate so this is the line we plan to do so there's quite a lot of books there and then when we have completed all those books uh it's almost like we did a secret kickstarter in some ways if you think you know it's when you have this kickstarter say we're planning all these books um it's, it's a similar thing we did this to this the estate so we, they knew what our plans were for the line and now we are developing and outlining those books with more stuff and as as the line goes on some of the later ones will then move things off Arrakis and we'll expand into the larger known universe so we have more books that will take you into how things like the guild work so you can move from planet to planet and um, manipulating other houses more detail particularly on house management so we're going to um, it's probably not entirely bad to say we're going to divide that into two halves so we'll be releasing the first part will be how to manage your house's domains as to how to deal with um, how you create and expand your domains and your profits for your house. And then later on, we'll come back to house management in terms of your universal reputation and how that fits together, how you can use um, your influence and power to man manipulate other houses and things like that. Uh, so all very much designed as well to inspire story seeds. So if this is going to be something where you say, oh, we want to expand our domain uh, into weapons, for instance, you know, our house makes weapons. How do we expand that? A part of that is going to be the GM saying, okay, well, what are you going to do about it? Um, and that would develop scenario hooks and adventures for uh, for players to go, well, you know, you're going to have to do something about that. You won't just be roll a dice. Oh, now your weapons skills are better. It's going to be, no, you you have you're going to have to make an effort if you want to expand your house because nothing in the Dune universe comes easy. Hmm. That's very exciting. That's that's great news. Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, I would love to say, but I, I I would love to tell you all about these source books because yeah, and this just makes it worse. I realize I can say yes, I've been reading and what we're doing and looking at the art, and it's I'm you know I'm really happy to get my hands on these and, and what our writers have done, um, and I would go on at great length about them, but we haven't actually announced them yet. So I I I need to be more circumspect, I'm afraid, but. Uh, Yes, absolutely. And uh, ob obviously with the movie um, now, you know, God, you know, coming really soon, uh, we are also planning to have at least something coming out at the same time because, uh, um, you know, that's obviously a time people are going to get very excited about Dune. So, you know, we're gearing stuff up for around then um, and uh, and then more in the way because, you know, there's over 20,000 years of history and God knows how many factions and uh, and layers and politics and uh, yeah, we, we keep doing this into Doomsday and we probably will. So, uh, yeah, I think even if we, when we get to the end of what we've originally got planned, we've only covered the Imperial era. Um, so, you know, we, and and we've got another six eras we've, we've outlined around that. Plus, of course, we'll be supporting with, you know, I think we said this before, we're going to be supporting with some PDF adventures. So there's going to be like we do with Star Trek. So we've got a couple of those in hand at the moment. And uh, those will be coming out um, to bridge the gap between the big books uh, to keep you going. And, uh, and hopefully, you know, un unveil a few more of the orange, uh, the orange, the onion layers 
of the Dune universe and delving in a little bit more, give you some more NPCs and locations and places uh, to take your campaign into. Thank you, Andrew, for taking the time to talk to us about this and to our viewers. Thank you for watching this. Thank you for your support. Uh, please get your shots. Be safe out there and have a great day. Thank you.